This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on the first day of winter, December 21st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Well, actually, just enjoy the final hours of fall because winter arrives around 9.30 this evening. Thanks, and We'll check in with you at 12.23. Year-end discounts make it a great time to buy a vehicle. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the economy showed resilience last quarter, expanding at 4. That's just slightly lower than previous estimates, but the data was still robust. Meanwhile, today's leading indicator flashed a recession signal. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Let's talk about that revision of third quarter GDP. Uh, Not nearly as uh, white hot as that 5 0.2% print from a couple of weeks ago, but uh, 4.9% growth in the third quarter, still nothing to sneeze at. Absolutely, Rob. Uh, that's, that's, that's completely correct. Uh, 4.9% was very strong. It was an unusually strong quarter after the second quarter was weaker. Uh, but the imp- important thing here, two things. One is that the revision downward was more than expected. Uh, number two, if you look at measures that try to get contemporaneous GDP without having to wait, right? Because the number we saw to come out to this morning was for September. If you look at contemporaneous numbers for the fourth quarter, the estimates are running at about 2.6, 2.7, and that's much slower than the 4.9 even, and that's what's, that's what's moving markets. So they're connecting the dots and seeing the economy slow. You would think, well, why is that good for markets? Well, precisely what Ann said, and that is that you want the uh, you want the Fed to cut rates, interest rates sooner. If you can slow the economy and bring down inflation, that will also happen with the rate cuts sooner. Uh, consumer spending was a big component of the third quarter GDP. A lot of people going on trips, a lot of people going out to eat, uh, a lot of experiences uh, over the summer. And I'm not being sarcastic or snarky here because the Fed uh, actually mentioned this in one of their own policy papers. Uh, what is the impact on the economy of uh, Taylor Swift's North American tour coming to an end? <laughs> I'm making a comment on on Taylor Swift's tour. But yeah, there's been quite a bit of spending since the pandemic. It's important to note that 2020, late 2020, I should say, and 2021 
were very much stronger for consumer spending. It has moderated considerably as consumers have run through their their pre-COVID savings. They've run through the government money. Uh, they're running up their credit cards. And even some people are ending up in trouble with delinquencies and auto possessions, uh, repossessions, I should say. So consumers, yes, hanging in there. Uh, but uh, we think it'll be they'll be the main drivers of the slowdown in the new year. But the the, the concert tour is uh, just part of that <laughs> consumer that part of yeah. that consumer spending component. I mean, people just went all out to see Taylor, Beyonce, or or, or the musician of your choice. However, uh, there is a, a a little bit of uh, some recession signal showing up in the uh, index of leading economic indicators. So, what's a potential dark cloud on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the LEI, the Leading Indicators Index, has been in negative territory for almost 20 months now. Uh, so signaling a slowdown, but there's just been so much cash around that that signal has proven really pretty premature. Uh, so we'll see what happens in 2024 here. Again, the real key is how, how quickly do the consumers run out of money? We saw Black Friday sales really being driven by buy now, pay later plans. There's a lot of payday loans being made as well. Uh, consumers, when they get to the end of the rope, that's when they'll stop. And then uh, quickly, uh, jobless claims uh, ticked up just a little bit, but uh, not as much as analysts had expected. Yeah, that's right. You really need those jobless claims to start increasing to show more weakness in the labor market. That would mean wages would wage growth would fall and then inflation would fall. And again, the key here for the markets is getting the Fed to cut interest rates. So while those in unemployment numbers are still really low, it means a tight labor market. <laughs> and it means that the Fed is going to be on hold for longer than this market expects. So hold on to your seats as we go into 2024. There's going to be some market volatility as they readjust their expectations. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The end of the year often means substantial discounts on dealership lots, making it an opportune time for buyers. Joining us with some need-to-know advice is John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, uh, thank you for joining us today. And first, uh, let me say uh, happy holidays, or should I say happy Honda days to you. So how can we make this a Lexus December to remember? That's right. You got that right, Rob. Automakers love to have Christmas sales. I mean, they've been advertising it even starting in November. And uh, you decided one of the famous taglines that, that Lexus has been using for a long time right now. And uh, but it goes beyond uh, just those, those brands. You know, automakers love to have a, a big bang to the closeout of the year. And uh, it can be a very good time to buy a car if you need one right now. And, and 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 put us inside the, uh, the the car dealer's head. Are they trying to clear out all of the twenty three inventory to get all the twenty fours in there, or like you said, are they just trying to really just uh, end the year on a high note? Right. I'd say, look, if they've got cars that have been sitting on the lot for several months, you bet they want to get rid of them. And you know, the, the whole model year thing these days is is so jumbled up. Uh, you know, they've been selling 24s, 2024s for months now. So it's it's really all about trying to get as many sales racked up by the end of the year as possible. And how can you take advantage of this as a car buyer, uh, especially at the end of the year and especially at a time where uh, maybe you have a little bit of wallet fatigue from uh, buying all sorts of Christmas presents and going here, there and everywhere? 
No, that's right. I mean, look, if you've got Christmas fatigue from all the shopping that you've been doing, maybe you're not in the market for a new car right now. But if you want a good deal, it's like anything else that you want to buy. You got to do your research. You start uh, looking for cars that are in your price range, start shopping around, seeing what dealers are charging for that vehicle. And uh, then you got to go in and do some hard-nosed negotiation over trying to get the best possible price that you can. And and remember, it's not just the the price of the car. If you've got a trade-in, you're haggling over that. If you're getting financing through the dealership, you can haggle over the interest rate. So there's a, there's a lot to be done when you want to go buy a new car. And then as far as leverage plays are concerned, I mean, it's December 21st. Uh, there's 10 more days left in the month. And uh, obviously the salesperson and the dealership wants to make their numbers for the month. Can you use that as part of the negotiation process? Well, you can. I mean, you know, one thing you can do is say, thank you very much. Uh, I think I'm going to go down the street and see what your competitor has to say. Uh, that's a a good negotiating tactic. But, you know, remember, uh, most people only buy a new car, whatever, five to eight years on average. And you're going up a a professional who does this every single day. So don't think that you're going to get the steal of the year. But like I said, do your homework. Find out what's being uh, sold. There's there's websites that will tell you the, the average price for the car that you want and and what it's going for in your area and so the at the very least you can go into these negotiations knowing what you're going into and not letting the salesperson uh, try to take advantage of you and then very quickly on the uh, you, you you talked about trade-ins uh what's the status of the used car market because a couple of years ago when the supply chain crunch uh was in full swing you could get a decent price for that used car because that represented inventory for the dealer uh can you still uh, uh get as much bang for your buck great point great point rob uh look used cars are in very high demand And in fact, you may want to do a a little bit more homework, see what your model is selling for in the used car market, because you you may decide, I want to sell this car on my my own, because you'll almost always get a better price selling it on your own than getting a trade-in deal from the dealership. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, McDonald's is introducing one of this season's most popular holiday toys into Happy Meals. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. McDonald's is bringing Squishmallows, one of the most in-demand toys for kids this holiday season, to Happy Meals. Joining us with the details is Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach in Chicago. Izzy, thank you for joining us today. And uh, one of the hottest toys of the holiday season, Izzy, uh, Squishmallows, that's not a marketing statement because I could tell you from the uh, three-person marketing focus group in my own house, uh, Squishmallows are extraordinarily popular. And uh, it's a good thing they're in school right now because if they were listening, they'd ask me to go to McDonald's right now. Yeah, this is a very, very popular item. And It is ingenious on McDonald's part to introduce it the day after Christmas. 
And as far as uh, bringing people into the store or bringing through the dri- bringing people through the drive-through, uh, what is the thought process on McDonald's part in introducing new toys to a Happy Meal? Because more often than not, uh, they are a tie-in to a movie. Well, this just isn't any new toy. I mean, these have been out there for a long time. People collect them, and they are very excited, not just here, worldwide, that these are coming out. And again, introducing it on uh, Christmas Day, I think a lot of people are going to skip the drive through and go in and actually order the meals and ask for particular characters. And when it comes to uh, getting people to order Happy Meals, um the, the the toy, the incentive, whether it's a Squishmallow or something else, uh, how much of the business is driven by kids who want the toy? How much of it is driven by convenience? Kids are hungry. McDonald's is right there. And how much of it is driven by those collectors? They need to have them all. Well, I would say this is an unusual time. Normally, it would just be, I'm hungry. Let's go get the Happy Meal. But all those kids, like you say at your house on Christmas Day, they're going to really be talking about let's go to McDonald's tomorrow and high squish milk. So I think 80 to 90 percent of the traffic the first day is driven by kids. And this also is a sign of, of McDonald's, uh, the, the constant need to evolve, especially uh, in the fast food space that is uh, a lot more interesting and a lot more competitive than it ever has been because you have Squishmallows coming hot on the heels of the opening of Cosmics in the southwest suburbs, and you just got to keep that innovation machine humming if you want to remain the leader. Well, that's very interesting, Rob, because each Squishmallow comes with a QR code and a song that goes with that particular character. So this is really uh, a great use of technology. Now they get to play with the Squishmallow, hear its song, all those things. This is really a creative uh, rollout. And then as far as, as, as McDonald's just being this, this massive worldwide entity, um, not only is it one of the biggest restaurants in the world, but I would imagine, Izzy, it's probably one of the biggest toy distributors as well. Absolutely. This, and this is certainly, uh, you know, bring them way up. But, in, you know, this goes back to the days where they used to have the, uh, you know, the play areas. And all of a sudden, after they built them in almost every store, they were the biggest, uh, you know, play area to take your kids in the United States. You can go anywhere and do that. So this is really another version of that, taking over that particular market. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. The Restaurant Coach in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, looking at a medical milestone, which was achieved through the use of AI. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the twelve. 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Chicago area will have some precipitation on Christmas, but not the type that many people would like. Eleven people, including the gunman, are dead. Dozens wounded in the capital of the Czech Republic today. On this Technology Thursday, we'll look at how artificial intelligence is providing a medical breakthrough. Plus, possible merger talks are said to be underway between two major media companies. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 157 points. The NASDAQ is up 101. S&P 500 is up 23. 46 degrees right now in Chicago. Under cloudy skies, it's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, the winter solstice occurs at 927 tonight, but the weather doesn't feel typical for this time of year. And WBBM's Nancy Hardy tells us it's not expected to change by Christmas. We're not expected to break the record of 64 degrees, but AccuWeather senior meteorologist Joe Lundberg is forecasting 50s for Christmas Day. To be this mild is quite unusual. I mean, we're talking twenty, almost 20 degrees above average, which is very, very unusual. Those warmer temperatures have meant significantly less snow. About 15% of the country right now has snow cover, uh, which is uh, extraordinarily low. In fact, that's record low. Uh, and we don't expect it to increase an awful lot between now and Christmas Day. That could mean good news for people flying out of Chicago over the holiday, but Lundberg says we may see some rain here. He says the closest snow on Christmas would likely be in northern Minnesota or Nebraska. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. At least 15 people are dead after a shooting in the Czech Republic today. It happened at Charles University in a public square of downtown Prague. Police say the armed man who did the shooting was a student at the university. The Czech interior minister says that person was killed by police. A search of the area, including the building's balconies, is continuing for possible explosives. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gary Kultbaum, president, Kultbaum Capital Management, Fox News business contributor in Orlando. Find him online at GaryK.com. Gary, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about today's market activity, let's talk about what happened uh, yesterday afternoon as the markets went from uh, treading water to their largest sell-off since October. I think all that's happened is you have had an unprecedented move off the lows uh, that started around the end of October uh, under the guise of too far, too fast. Uh, finally, randomly hit an area where the market had enough is enough. I think that's all that's happened here. Uh, pullbacks, uh, normal corrections will put the market back in a normal ebb and flow. So I suspect uh, yesterday's high is going to stay a high for right now. Uh, and we'll see how the, uh, the corrective work uh, continues. Today, we're up 300 and something. As I speak, we're up 130. I think that's the type of thing we're going to see going forward. Uh, I think sellers have a little bit of the upper hand. It's not that anything's wrong. It's just a monstrous move off the lows. Yeah, it's, uh, a friend of mine who was an investor yesterday uh, said uh, sometime uh, around noon uh, that he just had an inkling that maybe it was a good time to uh, sell, uh, sell off just a little bit. And apparently he wasn't alone. Yeah, and, and just so you know, uh, when you draw you know, a picture of a price in the market and it goes along a certain pattern, all of a sudden it goes vertical up, uh, there's going to be a certain point in time where 
the vertical has to stop. And that's what happened today. Just like uh, when we have like a market meltdown and go straight down, eventually that stops also. And you just never know when it's going to happen. It just so happened to be yesterday. And I am pretty sure that that will mark a high for right now. Not necessarily everything, but overall. And let let the market work its way around a little bit for, I'd say, probably weeks. And if we're going to go higher, the best thing to happen is go lower for a little bit of time. We've had too much bullishness. Bears are gone. The biggest bears on Wall Street that go on TV have turned into bulls in the last few days. And you just got to change that playing field a little bit. Again, I don't think anything's wrong, but I will tell you what we will watch uh, from July to end of October. Interest rates spiked, markets down. End of October to now, interest rates have crashed markets up if interest rates start to go back up again in a meaningful fashion then i think we'll have some worry and notice i didn't mention the fed just the free markets watch the 10-year yield that's going the important number that i watch every day yeah the uh, 10-year is uh, hovering around uh, 3.9 percent right about now so we're well off of the five uh, percent that we saw a couple of months ago and uh, this is before even the fed steps in and Sooner or later, that is going to make it to the consumer in the form of lower rates, whether it's for cars or your mortgage or lines of credit. Yeah, the Fed's way behind. They're at 5.5. So they're always behind. Uh, they're, they're like the third-string quarterback. Uh, 3.9 is your mortgages. Uh, you're seeing the mortgage business get better. The strongest stocks in the market right now are housing stocks again. Why? Uh, mortgage uh, uh, rates come down. They, they do better as stocks. So as long as that continues good, if it changes again, you'll hear from me. The market will turn back up. I'm I'm 100 percent, excuse me, back down. I'm 100 percent sure. But right now, looking pretty darn good. And it seems like the American consumer is still still feeling uh, rather sunny going into 2024. And one way they are expressing that is in the form of the uh, uh, stocks for the cruise companies. Uh, People feeling very secure about uh, their financial picture that they want to go on vacation next year and go on a boat. Yeah, uh, consumer discretionary is doing just fine at this juncture. Uh, the cruise lines are, are coming back. Uh, Royal Caribbean's at a yearly high. I think Carnival's getting close again. Uh, the combination of oil prices tanking and, I mean, the cruise ships are full. Uh, and they're, they're uh, back to making some uh, pretty decent cheese off of that. Airlines are doing better also. Uh, my big issue going forward eventually will be What's going on with the credit card business now? The uh, I call it the wimpy uh, buy me. Uh, may I pay for a hamburger on Tuesday for a hamburger <laughs> today? Uh, you know those type of loans are starting to proliferate like crazy again. That worries me farther down the road because debt always comes back to haunt. But right now, I think we're okay. Uh, And the job market, 3.7%. You cannot argue with that. Gary Kulpbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management, Fox News business contributor in Orlando. Find him online at GaryK.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday on the Noon Business Hour, and scientists using deep learning models harnesses artificial intelligence to discover new antibiotics that target drug-resistant bacteria. Joining us to discuss AI and this medical breakthrough is Paul Hawk 
Bachman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And, and before you even talk about the AI component of this, it's very interesting, given the amount of innovation that exists in the prescription drug space, to learn that we haven't had a new antibiotic in nearly 60 years, and AI apparently cracked the code. That's exactly right. One of the reasons, first of all, it is for many people who think about medicine, they think medical advances happen every day, and they do. But in the case of antibiotics, and this is one of the challenges, is that there hasn't been necessarily the the financial uh, imperative or incentive for drug developers to do it because um, in the case of antibiotics, many of these are now public publicly owned molecules, so to speak. In other words, nobody has a patent on a lot of this stuff. So there isn't a perceived benefit, no no perceived profit in seeking out this stuff. Well, one of the reasons there's no perceived benefit or profit in seeking it all out is it takes tons of time and research dollars. And if at the other end isn't a lot of dollars, well, then, of course, nobody's going to invest. Well, the, the, the tons of time in advance in terms of research is now being accelerated almost to light speed by AI. So one of the things they're focusing AI on first is one of the most drug-resistant uh, bacteria bacteria out there um, called MRSA. That's the acronym MRSA, which stands for Methicillin-Resistant Staphylococcus. But the idea is that the research can be so fast now, maybe there's profit. So they have discovered already uh, some potential benefits here. Now, the, the, the money comes in having the patent. So this is uh, developed by uh, MIT. And uh, do they have their own proprietary AI model and when it's all said and done, uh, who owns the process and, and, and who has the rights to it? Because you said with, with, uh, with, with antibiotics, the molecules are free. Exactly right. Now, now there, this is a, that's a very complex legal question, but simply answered. When uh, educational institutions, uh, higher learning like MIT, um, go and do, do research, they're, act, they're after patents just like anybody else. And in other words, many universities have agreements with their professors and even with their grad students that if professors and or grad students in research funded in part or entirely by the university come up with something cool that's saleable, the university benefits. So the, the question is, well, are, are, you know, and this is, you know, subject for another conversation, but is this research going to benefit the institution or not? Some, you know, in many cases, these things are being developed without regard to profit um, because they are, in fact, better for people. Uh, but back to AI, the thing that's exciting about this is that AI is, in, is examining huge amounts of data fast. Now, that's no, no news to anybody who's looking at AI. Uh, it's looking at very large numbers of calculations that um, mimic what they call neural connections, meaning it's sort of like our brain. But this, in this case, approximately 39,000 compounds were evaluated for their ability to fight MRSA. Uh, and the resulting data has guided the research. In other words, it's sped up that, pre, uh, that pre-development work. I would say that this is really interesting to me one of the things that people should know is that most compounds that fight disease are three-dimensional. In other words, they're molecules. And what AI is doing an incredibly good job of is running the numbers really fast on, on uh, geometric shapes. In other words, imagining what shape of, of compound will fit a disease and fight it. 
So that's why AI is so exciting in this space. Well, especially bringing the speed component into research is, is in my mind, the game changer, because I go back to four years ago at the dawn of COVID when they were saying it will take, if we break every vaccine research record in the books, uh, there could be a COVID vaccine in four years. And we managed to get it there in one year or even less than that, primarily because there was a lot of uh, SARS uh, research and development uh, still on the books from, uh, from from 2003. And that was kind of the, the, the shortcut to get to the COVID vaccine. But thanks to AI, you could potentially uh, research and develop uh, vaccines for other illnesses that may are, are yet to come down the pike because you have that AI computing power. That's exactly right. I mean, broadly speaking, and you know, not using a medical term, we had a giant running start, right? You're exa- you put your finger on it with SARS and all the research that had been done with SARS. That running start gave lots of scientists and all of them motivated, as you can imagine, not only by profit, but by saving people um, to develop, uh, to, to basically to test stuff. So the SARS research that had been done meant that the, that the COVID research that was done was done with lots of foreknowledge. AI equals lots of foreknowledge in, in a way, insofar as that AI can be, that research can be done at, at like I said, lightning speed. So here we are. The, with the foreknowledge took tons of time. Without that SARS research and availability and knowledge, there is no way we would have uh, developed that vaccine. We, I'm being, you know, broad, right? But there's no way that vaccine would have been developed in that, in that one year without that foreknowledge, without that previous time. So that's the benefit here. AI buys us tons of time. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today. It's the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global are in talks to discuss a potential merger. Joining us with the latest tales is Tom Layson, media analyst in Seattle, Washington. Tom, thank you for joining us today. And this seemed inevitable because Warner Brothers and Paramount, Tom, uh, are the two major studios that don't have something else as a source of revenue. There isn't a cable company attached to it or a theme park or a major electronics company. They have to live and die by advertising in the cable bundle. Yes, they do. And that's going away. Linear television is dying and the ad share is dying right along with it. It's a major secular decline. Um, They both have, you know, things that appear on the surface that they could be combining um, with CNN and HBO and TNT, along with CBS and Comedy Central and MTV. But, you know, I asked this question, Rob, and that is, it, is this merger a mirage? It seems like the right thing to do so we can go back and say the same old things. We can have synergies. We can combine costs. We have greater scale. But I'm really not sure if multiple sinking ships that rely on what I think is a broken model now in streaming combine to make a floating ship. Does two wrongs make a right? I'm not sure that it does. And where are are they buying just Paramount and or or this merger involves Paramount and CBS and the associated media properties? Or would Warner Brothers be getting the entire Sherry Redstone National Amusements uh, portfolio? That I haven't read, but I I do know that Sherry's been shopping it around. Um, She is looking for a dance partner, if not an outright buyer. So I think, you know, on the surface, the idea here is to combine Max and Paramount Plus and try to stop the bleeding on their streaming services. Um, But but again, you know, the share share prices are valued in the aggregate and there has been so much value destruction and it's become clear 
um, that, as you've said before, you know, picking up digital dimes in place of broadcast dollars isn't going to work as a model. And the idea that you can just acquire subs, green light everything, spend whatever you want, it doesn't matter, the earnings will come. If you build it, they will come. It's clearly proven not to be the case. There are too many players. Television is too expensive. Not enough people want eight or nine subs on their list every month in a bill to pay for. Something is going to have to give. And I, I have a sneaky suspicion that these mergers, we've talked a long time that this is going to happen. But I have a feeling it's more of a Band-Aid than it is a cure for the underlying disease. And then very quickly, uh, that uh, puts a lot of uh, market share under one roof. And uh, you do have a Department of Justice that uh, is a little more, uh, provides a little more scrutiny of mergers uh, these days compared to years past. And uh, does this get the uh, blessing from a Joe Biden White House? I'm not sure that it does. Um, I think that there is a very anti-merger, anti-deal vibe taking place, um, you know, in the administration. Um, there is some crossover here. Um, you know, it depends on how finely you want to parse it. I, I guess you can make the, the attorneys on both sides will make their fine arguments. At the end of the day, though, it's it's two major voices, two major media conglomerates with two with major libraries and major cable properties and. And, uh, you know, a studio and those kinds of things coming together to reduce to reduce the number of players. With that said, though, if all the players aren't going to make it, is should that be a barrier to regulate? Should that be a regulatory barrier? Should, should we instead save try to save some of the platforms, save some of the voices, save some of the content, save some of the jobs? I think that's an argument that can be made on the other side, too. Tom Layson, media analyst in Seattle. Thank you for joining us.